0: And welcome to another Planet Bio podcast where we discuss all things at the intersection of digital and biology. Uh, This is our startup office hours where we're really excited to be joined by Topher Welk as our guest. And then, of course, there's myself uh, and Alexa Goldman here as well. A quick reminder the usual reminder this is a recorded session, uh, so please keep that in mind. And also, Uh, Planet Bio is not affiliated with any uh, institute or organization, and views expressed are those of who express them. Uh, So welcome, Topher.
1: Thank you. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah, excited to have you here. So to get started, we we usually get going with some intros. Uh, Can you tell us a bit about yourself, what you're up to these days, and a bit about your career journey, how you got there?
1: Yeah, happy to. Um, so, so yeah, Jeff introduced me as, as Topher, uh, which is a nickname. So for legal purposes, I'm, I'm Christopher Welk, um, to find me on the World Wide Web and such. That's the LinkedIn name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. But please do use uh, this nickname of Topher. So I, what did I do? I started out my career in academia, um, I grew up in the United Kingdom. Uh, and I realized that the cost of education was a lot cheaper there uh, than in the States. So I did my undergrad at the University of Nottingham in biochemistry and genetics. Uh, genetics was only running in like the second or third year of the program. It was, it was I'm showing my age a little, but it was a hot new topic uh, when I did it. And the syllabus was changing every uh, pretty much every year. And then I went on to do a PhD in the evolution of viruses during the zoonotic transfers. Uh, which came back to haunt me during the COVID um, epidemic. But it it gave me the skill set, the computational skill set, I needed to do a postdoc in microarray gene expression um, at a Center for AIDS Research at UCSD, uh, where I stayed for a long time. I I stayed there, uh, worked my way up from postdoc to associate professor, uh, really applying transcriptomics to understand disease pathogenesis and find biomarkers in infectious diseases. But we also teamed up with the uh, neuro outfit, neuroscience department at UCSD and branched out into PTSD and uh, a, a number of other mental health disorders, schizophrenia as well. Um, and, then, um, and then I transitioned back to the UK after, after working at UCSD on the, on the West Coast. I took up a position for four years um, at the University of Southampton. We were pretty much the only bioinformatics outfit at the hospital there. Um, and we got exposed to respiratory health, uh, oncology, um, a lot of other disease areas and the sort of portfolio of indications that, that I worked on really exploded. Um, and it was, a, it was a really exciting, interesting time for the lab. Um, a lot of deans of medicine have, have sat me down over the years and told me that I lack focus because of the number of, of different indications that I've worked on. but. It finally came in useful when I transitioned into industry in uh, 2017. I I signed up with Merck, actually started the same day that Jeff started at the Exploratory Science Center um, and and worked there for five years building up a systems biology group and helping Merck do some innovative research. And then recently I've transitioned to a startup. So I've gone from big pharma to a startup uh, on the west coast called Verge. Which is sort of back to my early neuro roots at, at UCSD, really focus on, on neurodegenerative disorders um, and neuropsychiatric disorders. Um, and I've been there about six or seven months now as the uh, head of translational genomics. Awesome. Thanks so much for
0: taking us through that. And just a reminder to folks listening, you can ask questions in the uh, text chat window on the side there as well. So Topher, I love that your career really spanned academia, large companies, or a, a large company, a small company, um, a broad range of of environments to do science. And I, I think that's really interesting when people have those types of perspectives. How was that for you making those transitions from the academic side to a large company to a small company? Was it Seamless? Was it a little jarring at times? How did you find Yeah, no, it?
1: I mean, that's a great question. I was I was just talking to an old graduate student who runs a lab at Mount Sinai now about sort of, you know, academic to industry transitions. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's a lot to unpack there in that question. But, but I remember in academia, looking out at the ivory tower, just thinking that all industry was the same. I, I didn't really have a nuance that you know startups were very different cultures to smaller mid-sized biotechs which were very different cultures from from large farmers and um you know the merck transition from the university of Southampton was easy in one respect but it really felt like an academic department bolted on to a large pharma so you could ask all the creative questions of academia but also had the resources of pharma behind us i think if from a from a jarring point of view, to answer your question more directly, um, I was I was fascinated by the language. Um, so it, it actually took me a while to learn the language of big pharma. Uh, they have a very specific way of speaking around goes and no goes. It sounds like you're at mission control. Um, they, they they talk about swim lanes and wheelhouses. Uh, and then all the language that sort of evolved around a drug discovery pipeline, which is which is quite different academia. And I remember- that's corporate speak, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember sitting around a leadership team meeting, and um, there was this obsession about PNL, um, and I was on gene cards looking up PNL, because it wasn't a gene that I was familiar with. And then I realized they were talking about profit and loss. And it was financial, it, was <laughs> it wasn't a science meeting. Um, and that was the 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 biggest jar for me was, you know, instead of focusing a hundred percent on science, and industry, I started focusing more on on business and finances and, and HR and really understanding the the business side holistically. That's really cool, and I
0: guess that really follows the the theme right of of broad experiences and um, broadly what it takes to to move science forward, right? Uh getting into the business side of things, right? You know, the the financial discussions and and operations. I think that's something that a lot of founders experience as well, you know, first for startups when they're coming out of uh academia or or maybe jumping in. What types of tips do you have for picking that up, you know, what what did you find helpful as you were learning that financial speak and learning to navigate that space
1: i mean one of the th- there was a great book i read uh i think it was called leaving the ivory tower alternative careers in the life sciences um that certainly opened my mind to all the different possibilities out there for an academic then you know when i was transitioning to to Merck, there was an old ceo called um, Vagelos, who who wrote sort of an autobiography of his time at Merck, and so I picked that up and 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 read most of that book just to get an understanding of what the company, you know the history of the company. Um, again, he used some of the company language in there um, and and how the how the ethos of the company was put together, and I found that quite useful before I came to Merck. Really, just sort of landing, having that natural curiosity. Um, trying to figure out things fast on the ground as, as you start interacting with with, um, with other people at, at a company, especially a big company, and piecing together how how everything works. Uh, you know, having those sort of network of one-on-ones with your peers or senior people. You know, probably from an, from an early entrepreneur standpoint, trying to find a mentor uh, in in big pharma who can really sort of talk you through uh, how it works and and how they think. Could, would be invaluable. Awesome.
0: Thanks so much for that. And Alexa, I wanted to to throw it your way too. any questions you have for, for Topher.
2: Can you talk a bit about what your experience has been like at a smaller organization? And, you know, when you're at a smaller organization, I would imagine that you're wearing a lot of different hats. So I'm interested to hear about the learning curve and the transition there.
1: No, absolutely. And this is sort of what I was to some academics about recently you know pharma has its advantages of of a of a lot of resource um, and if you have a good idea and you can build enough alliances, you can do something really you know really impactful uh you know you can see a idea go through all the way to to a drug but you know the the drawbacks of big pharma are you know really the bureaucracies, the process uh, the negotiating um Trying, trying to get that idea through. Whereas, you know, jumping into a startup, um, it's really fast paced. Um, if if you if you have a good idea, it gets adopted really, really quickly. It's a smaller company, you can get alignment faster and and move faster. Um, I think personally, where where I've struggled, uh, you know, a, a little bit is with sort of just good enough mindset in a startup. So. You know, again at a pharma you're you've got end to end you're trying to get uh, a drug you know developed and and into patients and there's a there's you know a, a lot of a lot of diligence a lot of paperwork a lot of bureaucracy as a, as i mentioned at a startup you're really moving faster so it's it's more of that flexible agile mindset what can i do today um it doesn't have to be perfect it just has to be good enough to, to get us to the next stage of the process or to get to the next stage of funding um, in order to, to survive it as a company. And then the piece that I'm really interested in right now um, is, is how a startup evolves, right? And so you think of a, of a scrappy startup like Verge that's been around for five or six years, um, you know, maybe a, a dozen people or, or a couple dozen people in that time period, uh, depending on what was going on, you know, now doubles in size and is planning to grow three or fourfold. There's this really crunchy space between, you know, being a scrappy startup versus then starting to lay down processes and procedures so that you sort of mitig- mitigate risk and can, can operate more effectively as a smaller mid-size biotech. And, and then getting people to transition in their roles, um, you know, you, you may have someone that used to do five different roles. Now you're h- hiring in specialists to do two or three of those roles. You need people to be able to let go of what they previously did, so you can bring in those specialists and really move faster and and have impact. And I find that a really interesting space, uh, watching startups evolve.
0: That's super cool, Tofer. And I'm curious as companies go through that evolution right and they go through that growth and as you said maybe mature on the procedural side what what types of frameworks do you use or leverage to help uh you know lessen the the growing pains (laughs) that that happen
1: yeah that's that's a bit of a passion of mine at the moment um I mean, from a really practical standpoint, it's interesting working for a West Coast company. It's it's very appified, um, so there's sort of an app for everything, um, and you know. So from a practical standpoint, I get quite interested in how you organize and delegate. And so we have, you know, things like Asana and Notion, uh, Lattice, these these apps that take some of the burden. Um, away from the, you know, sort of the individual as we grow and, and wrap it up in a in a system. And, you know, some of these are better than others. Um things like task management or, or HR. Um but I found that that when they're when they're more Apple esque, when they're more intuitive and you can just set up and, and and use them, um, they they can let you move move pretty fast as you grow as a startup. Does that address your question, Jeff? yeah that's great. Thank you so much um
0: Alexa i'll I'll throw it over your way again any any other questions for topher here
2: yeah the the question that I have is um for those that are thinking about maybe following a similar journey um or making their own career transitions. what advice might you have um for the entrepreneurs on the call um or for the academics on the call um as they're entering into a new space and starting to become more uncomfortable, uh, how can they make themselves comfortable in the uncomfortable?
1: Yeah, I think that's um, that's a great question. Uh, we used to have a, a phrase when uh, Jeff and I worked together about, about thriving in ambiguity. Um, it, it, it sounds a little kitsch, but just having a catchphrase or something that you can alert everyone, you know, it's getting a little crunchier, it's getting a little difficult. Let's see if we can thrive in ambiguity everybody around the table would, would sort of relax and, and and realize that this was just a just a, a sticky place um it was almost like a code word for um for a difficult you know project or a difficult phase that that was coming up um mm-hmm. and i spent a lot of time you know it's become i didn't know what it was called before but but it's become quite vogue now uh the, this concept of of creating psychological safety so So, you know, with with these startup teams, being able to sit around a table and share ideas or solutions freely, um, it it sounds simple, but sometimes sort of hierarchy or egos can creep into that. Um, But really trying to create a level playing field in these teams, um, I found is a really good way to problem solve.
2: Yeah, I think that is such a good point, creating the psychological safety that enables folks to experiment and try new things and risk because that's i think really where where the good stuff happens where the growth happens and um especially at a startup when you're creating new innovation that's really i think fundamental
1: i couldn't i couldn't agree more i was just watching uh an episode of the bear last night i'm not sure um i'm not sure how many people have seen that on the call but i i think it's episode six or seven in there's an there's a fantastic example the opposite of psychological safety. Uh, when, when the head chef sort of creates an environment mm-hmm. that isn't safe. And, and it's a different context to our industry, but it, but it, is, it was a great illustration of, of uh, how things can go wrong and ultimately people will quit on you if you don't get it right.
2: I did see that episode. We won't give away any bear spoilers <laughs> for our listeners, but definitely recommend yeah, the show.
0: That sounds awesome. It sounds like I need to watch it. I've, I've heard of it, but I haven't dug into it. Um, So I I do love this, this talk about psychological safety as well. Topher, any concrete uh, advice or pointers you can provide for uh, folks who are themselves trying to foster psychological safety?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it's, you know, like any relationship, uh, you know, clear communication is essential and being a good listener. Um, and, and again, in the startup space, it's a little tricky. You, you have to make a decision, and you have to move forward. And what I've found quite effective is is having these sort of brainstorming meetings, listening to everybody's ideas and opinions, um, and and but then a decision needs to be made. So making it clear who has decision making rights. There there are good rubrics for that, um, and and saying things like you know, I've heard you all. I understand the pros and cons of of doing x or y but but today we have to move forward so we're going to do it this way we're going to run the experiment do it this way um get the result uh, and and move forward and and i think you know people sometimes get get a little upset if their advice or their idea isn't the one that's taken up if you put it in a framework of you know we have to move forward we have to run the experiment we have to get the result and then we'll iterate. I, I found that you can get alignment uh, across teams pretty quickly. Thanks, that's great advice.
0: So we're coming to the end of our half hour here. Any final advice you have for our listeners, especially those who are in the startup space right now? I,
1: I mean, I just just really sort of a, the entrepreneurs out there, I've never started something from scratch myself, uh, you know Verge is probably the smallest place I've, I've worked. i started things in, in academia but the idea of you know spinning an out an idea, starting a company from the very beginning, um, I, think, I think that that's an incredible journey. And you know just always bringing the passion and the curiosity to work, U- ultimately we're trying to you know in, in our field impact patient health. Um, and, and, you know, make patient lives better. And so I think if you sort of hold on to that North Star, it, it really helps you get through the, the harder days or the, the darker days.
0: Thank you so much, Topher. Uh, that was great. We really enjoyed having you here, uh, providing your insights and, and joining us.
1: for this Oh, episode. I enjoyed myself. Thank you so much for the invite. All right. Thanks. Have a great day.